Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we are fresh off a clash of champions. How much further can Retribution go? And we've got a draft coming up. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. All right, here we go. First day of the week, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, the 310th edition of Not Sam Wrestling. Here we are. I'm happy to have you all here. Uh, Real quick, I needed to get something off my chest. First of all, happy Monday. I love starting these at the beginning of the week because inevitably, by the time we get to the end of the week, we're in a completely different world. We are in it. That's how much stuff is happening right now, good or bad, like it or not. There's are things happening all the time, and we all know that the conversations that we have today, by next weekend, it'll be something completely different, but we're not at next weekend. We are at today. So welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, And I do want to say, first and foremost, shout-outs and thank-yous to uh, Roman Reigns. He is my uh, tribal chief. Uh, without Roman Reigns, there would be no wrestling to discuss. If there was no wrestling to discuss, there would be no Not Sam Wrestling podcast. It would be very difficult to do a kickoff show for a show where there's no, there's nothing because there's no Roman Reigns. So I would like to say thank you to Roman Reigns for putting food on my family's table. Um, and please know Roman that whenever you are in town, the the top seat at that table in the Roberts household, uh, it always has your name on it. You are the tribal chief of this house uh, tonight. It being Monday night, of course, you don't wrestle on Mondays, so I can tuck the kids into bed early. There's nothing. Uncle Roman's not going to be on TV. So I'll be able to tuck the kids in bed early, uh, and I'll tell them, I want you to say your prayers, little ones. I want you to say, God bless mommy and God bless daddy. And they're like, and why are we saying God bless mommy and daddy? I'll say, kids, it's because we gave you life. We at least got you started on this journey. We created you. Okay. All right. God bless mommy and God bless daddy. And I'll say, okay, kids, now say, God bless Roman Reigns. And the kids say, what do you mean God bless Roman Reigns? And I'll say, first of all, the fact that you even asked that question, it's angering me. We're starting off on a bad note. But the reason we say God bless Roman Reigns in our prayers before our tiny little child heads hit the tiny little child-sized pillows is because you go to bed with a full belly. And the reason your belly is full is because Roman Reigns provides for this family. Roman Reigns provides something that allows your father to speak on, which in turn, somehow, I don't exactly know how the economics work, But I talk into this microphone and money comes in. My wife handles the finances. But what I'm saying is, kids, I've already given you too many details. Roman Reigns, Uncle Roman as you know him, is the man that provides money to come into this household. Money to buy food. Money to keep you in diapers. My kid's like, I should have been potty trained a year and a half ago. I'm like, all right, I know, I know. But first of all, there's no rush because Roman Reigns has made it possible for us to afford diapers longer than we should have. Again, we're going off on tangents here. The point is to be grateful to Roman Reigns. And how can you not be grateful to Roman Reigns? Coming off of Clash of Champions, if you're a wrestling fan, how can you not be grateful to Roman Reigns? The single best story in professional wrestling today. On this day, I'm going to check the date. On this date of publication, September 28th in the year of our Lord, 
20. Roman Reigns is responsible for the best storytelling in professional wrestling. The type of stories that make us watch and go, oh, man. The type of stories that make it so that my wife goes, it's always funny when you emote as you're watching. And I go, what do you mean emote as I'm watching? She goes, you're watching your shows. And like, I'll be upstairs in the bathroom, but I'll hear you go. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even know I was doing that out loud. But she heard me. She heard my audible reaction. And this was not the last professional broadcaster with a microphone on. I was not on a Twitch stream. I was not recording a podcast. I was not on the WWE Network. I was just sitting on my couch eating a Buffalo Ranch wrap, chicken wrap from Buffalo Wild Wings, which, by the way, took forever to deliver because I forgot that everything takes forever from Buffalo Wild Wings on a Sunday because people like me forget that football is on, but a lot of other people watch it. Regardless, I didn't even realize that in the comfort of my own home, there was an audible reaction to when Roman Reigns instructed Paul Heyman to go get the ceremonial floral uh, neck garment that Jay Uso had worn to the ring. And he told Heyman to present himself with it. Top to bottom, the Roman Reigns match on class. And that's when I reacted. Because <laughs> it was awesome. Because I was like, yes, perfect. If you go back, if you're a, a, a Patreon listener, patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling, not Sam shills as they're known. If you're a not Sam shill, you've probably heard me talking about this. I might've even talked about it on the, on the franchise show, the Monday show. I definitely talked about it ad nauseum on Wade Keller's podcast last week, building up to clash of champions, which was, uh, for me, cause I heard, you know, experts that were saying that, uh, you know, they were poo pooing the Jay Uso Romans rain Roman reigns match. Because nobody realistically thought that Jay Uso was going to win the Universal Championship. So it's like, why have this match? And I was like, no, 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 no. If you do this right, this match can be an incredible exercise in character development and storytelling for Roman Reigns. And that's exactly what it was. I was satisfied on every level that I was looking for with this story. And this is a story that I've been waiting for for years. And I know you've been waiting for for years as well. I said that what we're doing with Roman now is we're telling the story where Roman is coming from a very real place. Roman is Michael Jordan, but not the lovable Michael Jordan from the Haynes commercials, not even the uh, understandable Michael Jordan from the Last Dance documentary series. This is the Michael Jordan that you heard rumors about. This is the Michael Jordan that they would write tabloid stories about. This is the Michael Jordan that his teammates would bitch about. This is the Michael Jordan who knew that he was better than everybody else, but still held himself to a higher standard and thus held the rest of his team to a higher standard. And if anybody on his team, if any of those Chicago Bulls complained about Michael Jordan's attitude, he let the Chicago Bulls know you don't complain about Papa's attitude because Papa is the one that put that ring on your finger. Papa is the one that got you that endorsement. Papa is the one feeding your kids. I don't know if Michael Jordan actually said that. I'm saying that's the attitude, right? You can all picture that on a team, right? If Tom Brady didn't seem so damn lovable, he could be a monster on the Patriots. Go, all right, yeah, whatever Brady wants to do, we'll do it. That's... Roman Reigns, the superstar that holds himself to a higher standard, that acts like he's above everybody else, and much to the frustration of everybody around him, he unfortunately backs it up. Unfortunately, he is better than everybody else. Unfortunately, he does draw better than everybody else. Unfortunately, he does main event more than anybody else. Unfortunately, he is the biggest superstar on the roster by a mile. No matter how many people help Drew McIntyre put Randy Orton into an ambulance, there is nobody in WWE that even comes close to touching the star power that Roman Reigns has in a very real way. 
The Roman Reigns character is now reflecting an athlete who is aware of that and has decided instead of being humble about it and pretending like it's not going on, is acknowledging it and expecting everybody else around him to acknowledge it. Maybe not the nicest trait that a person can have, but it doesn't make it invalid, and it certainly doesn't make it false. I saw this match as the opportunity to really show that character, you know, and we've, we've had a really nice build from payback until now. With Roman being, well, if he's if he's there with, I'm technically from SummerSlam until now. SummerSlam interrupting uh, that title match or uh, interrupting the end of the title match, I guess it was, whatever he did. Felt heelish. Didn't feel like a nice guy thing to do. Six days later, or five days later, he's on SmackDown and Paul Heyman is with him. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a good guy thing to do. Two days later, he goes to a pay-per-view and he wins the Universal Championship, even though he doesn't even show up for his match on time. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a good guy thing to do. That doesn't feel like a humble, hungry, may-the-best-man-win thing to do. And we've watched this character evolve, right? He's never said anything false. He's never directly done anything heelish. It's just he's given up this ruse of pretending to be a humble guy who cares about the company before he cares about himself. Now, he's got a match against his cousin who he grew up with as if they're brothers. This could be Bret Hart and Owen Hart, where Roman is playing the role of Bret, where he wants the best for his brother. He doesn't even really want to compete with him, but he will go out there and have a great match with him and still love him afterwards. Or, or... Roman could have the opportunity to do what he did tonight and prove that family doesn't come before business and prove that even in his family life, he wants his family to acknowledge him as the king, as the breadwinner, as the tribal chief of the Anawai family table. And that's why I like that they're bringing up the Anawais. The Anawais are one of the... And by the way, the only reason I know how to pronounce that name is because uh, I I think it was at a Wrestle Pro show. Lance Anawai was wrestling, and uh, David Adams was doing commentary with me. This was years ago, and he said Anawai, and I went, "That's how you pronounce that name. It's not Anoya, Anawai." So they went over the Samoan dynasty, and I think. As they go over that Samoan dynasty, a big part of that is to drive home that Roman is not saying he's better than everybody on SmackDown. Roman isn't even saying he's just better than the Usos. Roman is saying he's the top dog of the whole family. That when you talk about that Anawai legacy in wrestling, he's the number one guy. And I think you're going to watch the evolution of this character where he's not going to sit there and say his dad, Sika, or Afa was better than him ever. No, he's better than Afa and Sika in his mind. Rikishi's not better than Roman Reigns in his mind. No, he's the man. He's doing what none of them could. And that's being the number one guy. Even when Rikishi did it for The Rock, he wasn't the number one guy. Roman is. Umaga came close. But he was never, he was always a heel and he was, he never got, he got that, he got the big hair versus hair battle of the billionaires match at WrestleMania. Yes. And I think, I mean, Umaga, Umaga and Yokozuna are my two favorite members of that family. I was such an Umaga fan and such a Yokozuna fan. I think those two are like, the fact that they're not, neither one of them are no longer with us is heartbreaking to me because I think those two are freaks of nature with how good they are. When you're that big and you can play a character that well and you're that agile and you're that believable, I could sit there and watch Yokozuna or Umaga matches all day, every day. But he's saying he's better than Umaga. He's saying he's better than Yokozuna. I'm not thrilled, by the way. We never, I don't know that we ever got to a place in canon 
where we were freely admitting that Yokozuna was actually a Samoan with the last name of Anawai. Look, if you want to talk about Rodney Anawai, that's fine. But you're bringing up Yokozuna. Yoshne, 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 Banzai! Far as I'm concerned, Yoko is still Japanese. Okay, I, I will. I can't. The man Rodney Anawai, I can. I can tell you, is a Samoan and part of that dynasty. But the character Yokozuna, he's a sumo wrestler. He's from Japan. He's the grand champion of sumo wrestling. Regardless, Roman's saying he's better than him too. Roman's whole thing is that he's the number one guy, and, and to watch him get to this point, I mean. Roman basically calling his own match at Clash of Champions. He was telling you his story in his own words. And I just loved it. Throughout the entire match, dictating everything that was happening. I mean, to see this where, yeah, Michael Cole and Corey Graves were doing their part. But honestly, the best thing that they could do is keep their mouth shut and let Roman tell the story. Corey Graves... One of the best color commentators you're going to hear. Michael Cole, controversial statement. The best play-by-play -play guy to do it. Nobody's better than Michael Cole, okay? And you can, you can at me all you want. Nobody's better than Michael Cole. They could tell that story, but they don't have to. As a matter of fact, Roman Reigns resents it. Roman Reigns telling Charles Robinson not to address him anymore. Like, that the, the, the referee, and it's not even just any referee, it's Charles Robinson. This is a guy who, if you want to have a senior official, Charles Robinson has been refereeing championship matches for over 20 years. I know, you look at his face, you're like, I thought he was only 25 years old himself. The guy's a good-looking man, don't get me wrong. But he's been wrestling championship, he's been refereeing championship-level wrestling matches for 20 years. And Roman is saying, don't address me. You, you, you got to tell this story of, of, you know, they did do it. I liked when Michael Cole and Corey Graves both were talking about how uh, Jey Uso was in over his head. How uh, this is a Michael Cole, I don't want to use the term cakewalk, but. And then Jey Uso would get those comebacks like two or three times in the match when Jey Uso would build those comebacks. And Roman did a tremendous job of selling and Jay, I mean, I, I was into it. I was feeling the match. It's the type of match that you can go back and watch, COVID era or no COVID era. It was just a great match. Uh, and then to watch the moment happen, right, where you were like, oh, my God, he hit that big splash. And then for a second, I thought something had gone wrong again. You know, like in that tag match when, when he was, like, gripping himself after the kickout, and I was like, what happened there? And then they go to the replay. I can't believe I haven't seen that spot before. Maybe I haven't. I just forgot it. But the whole punch in the balls as I'm kicking out of the pin, brilliant. What a brilliant spot. The low blow kickout. Whoever thought of that, you're not paying them enough because that changed the entire complexion of the match. Now you're at a point where... Roman Reigns, because right after that, was the, that was the point of no return for Jey Uso. Everything after that was Jey Uso on the ground, right after that low blow. And Roman smiling. Roman smiling with those big, new, expensive teeth. It's almost like he got his teeth done because he knew he was going to be a heel. Because what would be... What, what would make us believe that Roman Reigns thought way too highly of himself than to pay a ton of money to get those chompers put in his mouth. Love it. Perfect. He's smiling with those big, giant, brand new pearly whites because he knows it worked. He's smart. He's smarter than Jay Uso. That's what's going on in his head because he's been there before. That's what happens when you've been in matches on that level before. You know what everything feels like. And when you've been there before, you know exactly where his, your, your opponent's body is and where your body is. And you know that your arm is between a man's legs. And if you raise your arm in the right way as you kick out of that pin, you're going to punch that man in the gonads. And when you punch a man in the gonads, he stays down.
And that's exactly what Roman Reigns did. An experienced superstar. After that, it was a spear. And then it was then it was point of no return for Jey Uso. So when Roman has him beat, and he's like, call me the tribal chief. Call me your chief. You're not looking at a guy who beat his cousin fair and square. You're looking at a guy so obsessed with making sure that his cousin gave him the respect that he thought he was deserved. He punched his cousin into testicles. And that, that is a man who is hell-bent on winning. That is a man who is hell-bent on maintaining his position at the Anawai table. Jimmy comes in. You're the chief, man. You're the chief. All right, chill. You're the chief. That's what you want to hear? You're the chief. Just leave him alone. And it's like, and, and, and the beauty of it is, Roman didn't even have this moment where he was like, oh, yeah, maybe I went a little nuts there. He was like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear, Jimmy. And don't you forget it. Make sure when Jay comes to, you tell him too. And then to add insult to injury, to have Paul Heyman go outside, get the, the garb that Jay Uso came to the ring with and put it around Roman's neck. Now, Roman showing up without the vest, I thought was clutch. Um... I think it's time for Roman to get some wrestling gear. You know, I, I think that a, a full departure, and this is starting to get closer to the unlikable rich kid that he was playing in NXT years and years and years ago before the Shield even existed. But, uh, you know, I think that losing the cargo pants and getting some, like, bike shorts or something would even level Roman up. I think Roman was leveled up tenfold immediately when he came out without that vest on no logo he's not trying to sell stuff you know he didn't have the big double r no big dog i like that the big dog doesn't show up anymore it's just that big 3d rendering of him so there isn't this thing to latch on to anymore it's perfect it's perfect because he's not there to motivate you he's there to win and to provide for his family and I dare you to bring up the fact that he decided, you know, not to wrestle for a few months. You know? And it's the type of character that allows him to maintain the character. He did, like, an interview on uh, Corey Graves' podcast. And he was like, look, man, I'll quit for my family. My family's going to come before any of this. And so it's like, that's what his motivation is. But he's unapologetic about it. And then you question, is that really this character's motivation? Because if it really is his character's motivation, why did he punch his cousin in the dick? That's the question. And I'm, I couldn't be happier that we are left with that question. I thought it was a fabulous ending. I love that they ended with Roman and Jey Uso instead of uh, Randy and Drew. Uh, I think that, I think that they, they might even make note of it. I believe that Roman Reigns should only wrestle in the last match. I mean, on TV, you could come up with a million reasons why not to. Like, you know, it's an impromptu thing, whatever. But on pay-per-view, in advertised matches, let's say, in advertised matches, Roman Reigns should only ever wrestle last. Because the reason his character works is because there is nobody bigger than him. That's what makes the character work. So that's, 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 I, and, and maybe it, maybe it does come into play. You know, maybe maybe at some point there there uh, we find a reason for Paul Heyman to let people know. No, 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 no. Roman Roman doesn't wrestle if he doesn't wrestle last. He only wrestles last. The other thing I love about the th the dynamic that we saw between Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, it's just they're doing so much great work to subtly remove the Brock Lesnar Paul Heyman advocate relationship to the relationship that Paul Heyman has with Roman Reigns. The Roman Reigns relationship, Roman's calling all the shots. The Brock Lesnar relationship, of course Brock is ultimately calling the shots, but Brock just shows up where Paul Heyman tells him to and beats whoever and then moves on. The Paul Heyman-Roman Reigns relationship has Paul Heyman just basically doing whatever Roman tells him to do. Roman is calling his own shots. I think that's very, very valuable. You know, I saw uh, 
in our Discord room, some of the Not Sam Shills talking about the match that were uh, surprised by how little commentary there was, almost taken aback by it. But, I mean, that's what happens. And that that is something that if you if you pay attention to broadcast that WWE does try to do. They try to make it so that if superstars are talking, commentators bow out. Commentators will, will, are, are usually, unless a message has to get across for some reason, generally speaking, a commentator will not try to override a wrestler speaking because a commentator is not going to be able to, theoretically, a commentator shouldn't be able to tell the story of that wrestler better than the wrestler's doing it. And so tonight, uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves did this amazing thing and let Roman Reigns tell that story, and I, I, he just told it immaculately, immaculately. And this is what I talk about when I, I've been talking about for months that you can't just have a show with a bunch of great matches. You need good stories. We want to watch SmackDown on Friday. There are no matches announced for SmackDown on Friday. There's no reason to announce a match for SmackDown on Friday. We just are working under the assumption that Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman will be on SmackDown on Friday. I would like to see what happens next. Sasha and Bailey. We are working under the assumption that Sasha Banks and Bailey will be on SmackDown on Friday. I want to see what happens next. I want to see, I want to see what happens next. The seven most important words in professional wrestling. The seven most important words in any episodic entertainment. I want to see what happens next. Matches are secondary to I want to see what happens next. Eventually, we'll get to the match. Eventually, somebody will come around and give Roman Reigns his comeuppance. The story to get to those comeuppance is what we're invested in. You know, I, I look at this and there's all these rumors of Roman Reigns and The Rock being a WrestleMania match coming up. Which, you know, if you have an availability of The Rock and you can pull off a good guy Rock versus a bad guy Roman Reigns match. If I'm running a promotion, it's very difficult for me to say no to that match if it's a possibility, right? Okay, so the biggest wrestler in the world uh, faces off against the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah, I, okay, we'll probably do it, especially since the movie star happens to also be one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I guess we'll do it. I don't think we need to protect the legacy of The Rock's last match with Eric Rowan uh, enough that we wouldn't do it. But logically, I don't know where that story goes. You know, I, I don't think that to have The Rock win, I don't think helps Roman. And to have Roman win, it's almost like, like, I don't see how you can have that match without either ruining Roman as a heel or turning him babyface. Either way, a reality that I don't want. The story that I want to see unfold is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Now, let's talk about the Drew McIntyre match tonight as we go down, or or last night at the time that you're listening, uh, as we go down what happened uh, at Clash of Champions. Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, ambulance match. I still stand by that uh, I think that it would have been more interesting to have uh, Drew McIntyre lose the title tonight. I think that Drew McIntyre losing the title would be a good thing ultimately for Drew McIntyre. The story that I want to see as we look six months into the future is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Now, maybe we've already got it, you know, depending on how Hell in a Cell goes. If both Drew and Roman keep their titles for another month or so, two months, I guess, and we still do champion versus champion at Survivor Series, you're looking at having Drew versus Roman at Survivor Series. But a one-off champion versus champion Raw versus SmackDown competition is a lot different than a story. It's not just about the match, Drew versus Roman. It's about the story. It's about Drew getting knocked down, having to rebuild, and then in order to claim his spot as the number one guy in the company, he has to actually defeat the number one guy in the company. You know, you want to you wanna make Drew a star? 
keep the universal title on Roman from now until WrestleMania and have Drew McIntyre compete against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 37. That makes sense to me. Makes a lot of sense to me, but we'll see. You know, I I I I very much enjoyed the Randy Orton Drew McIntyre match. Uh I loved uh, all the little spots. I loved the brutality of Drew and Randy. You know, there were moments where I thought I wasn't really into it, but then I just I didn't judge it, right? I was like, okay, let me just see where this is going. And I sat back a little, like when the big show interfered, I got a little concerned because as much as I love the big show, I'm like, oh, does this mean, like in my head, I'm like, okay, so best case scenario, Randy's going to win. And then the big show's going to challenge for the championship. And then worst case scenario, Randy's going to lose and he's still going to feud with the big show. Like, I don't know if I'm buying that. But then when Christian showed up in catering, and started pounding on Randy. I was like, oh, I like this story. I like where we're going. Okay, let's go. Let's see what's happening here. And I know a lot of people were hoping to see Edge show up. Um, which, while it would have been cool, it also would have been a pretty big distraction. Here's the problem. If Edge had showed up, we run the risk of everybody forgetting about Drew McIntyre. Let's be honest. Edge is an exciting guy. And I think that we all feel like we have not gotten out of Edge as much as we could since he was returned at the Royal Rumble. We've realistically gotten three matches, and that includes the Royal Rumble. We got his Royal Rumble return moment. We got the Falls Count or the Last Man Standing match, I think it was, or Falls Count Anywhere Street Fight, whatever it was, at WrestleMania. And then we got the really great, greatest wrestling match ever match. And then Edge got injured. If Edge had been there and done anything physical, I feel like the excitement of that would have eclipsed what was going on with Drew McIntyre, which is not what you want to do to this new champion that you're building. You know, theoretically new. I don't, theoretically is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Shawn Michaels super kicking Randy and then pushing him off the truck. Here's why I thought that was funny. And I wonder if it was planned or if Randy was just giving him back a little something. If you remember, Randy punted Shawn Michaels and then Shawn got up pretty quick, way quicker than any of the other legends. I thought it was very interesting that Randy Orton got super kicked and didn't just take the bump off the ambulance. He could have. Shawn Michaels had to push him and then he went off the ambulance. I wonder if that was planned or if that was Randy going like, okay, big shot. I don't have to sell super kick if you don't have to sell the, the you know, the uh, punt. Either way, I love it. I love it. It's interesting. It's a little juicy. Um, And then Ric Flair driving the ambulance was awesome. Ric Flair driving the ambulance was great. I'll tell you what I wanted to see, though. I wanted to see... You know, there was a one moment where, like, Drew catching the RKO and almost losing the match. That moment made me be like, Drew isn't that tough of a champion if this is happening. Drew has had the help from the Big Show, Christian, and Shawn Michaels. Any one of those people helping you would be a godsend. Having a Big Show choke slam, a Christian beatdown in catering, a classic Christian beatdown in catering, and a Shawn Michaels super kick off an ambulance, I feel like I could beat Randy Orton if I had those three guys helping me. And Drew almost lost after the super kick. After the super kick, that's when Randy hit Drew with the RKO. And, and, and Drew had to undertaker his way out of the ambulance like he was catching that coffin lid. So... As I was watching, I was like, you know, I like the story of this match. I like, you know, I like seeing all the legends. I like that it's one of those things that it, it, it feels full circle. It feels like we are paying attention to what's going on. It feels like all the, 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 the spots that were laid, the chickens are coming home to roost. And I, I like that for Randy. I liked the story that revolved around Randy. I loved Ric Flair driving the ambulance. Nate just wants to be on the show. He just wants to have a role. I'll drive the ambulance, whatever you need. All right, all right, Rick. 
Can you drive an ambulance with a shattered windshield? Of course. Yeah, I've done it a million times. <laughs> but so Drew had Randy beat. And then he pulled him out of the ambulance so that his head was dangling over that back bumper so that Drew could punt Randy. Punt wasn't the greatest either. I mean, not that the kick wasn't good. I just don't know how much contact it made. But I was really hoping that in that moment, Drew backs up, starts running towards Randy's head to kick it, and then boom, Keith Lee shows up out of nowhere and gives him one of those body checks that sent Adam Cole into like the ninth row of the crowd. Just Keith Lee out of nowhere body checking Drew McIntyre. And then Randy looks confused and Keith Lee just smiles at Randy. And then Randy like kind of looks back at him, not quite sure. And then Randy throws Drew into the ambulance and wins the match. That's what I would have loved to have seen. You know, I, I, I think that my thing with Keith Lee is the what we've seen in Keith Lee on Raw is not we haven't seen that much uh, uh, of his dynamic side. We haven't seen that much of his uh, his his aerial side, his agility. You know, we haven't really seen that stuff that makes fans cheer. We've seen a lot of the power stuff. And realistically, and also, you know, he has this thing. When Keith Lee's doing promos, he kind of sounds like he's talking down to you. The way he talks slow and will let you know exactly what you need to know. Like if somebody were actually talking to you like that in life, it'd be like, what's your problem, bro? Do you think I'm an idiot? What, you, what school did you go to? Sorry. <laughs> but I just feel like Keith Lee would really work as a heel. On Monday Night Raw, I feel like he would really work as a bad guy. You do all those power moves. You could talk down to people. And realistically, as long as Drew McIntyre is on that show, Keith Lee is not going to be the number one good guy. It's not going to happen. So if Keith Lee is not going to be the number one good guy, why not be the number one bad guy? And if we can get Keith Lee to a point where he's the number one bad guy, we can get people to appreciate that performer to a level that we can turn him and maybe make him the number one good guy. I'm still not sure it's not going to happen. We could still see Keith Lee show up on Raw and and have, you know, Keith Lee be the next challenger to Drew McIntyre because I would have to believe that this is the end of the Randy-Drew story. You know, it had a fairly definitive ending, even though Randy's got a great argument. It was a four-on-one handicap match that you won. It wasn't exactly one-on-one. -on -one. I had no help. You had half the Hall of Fame out there helping you. But when you get your head almost kicked off, and then an ambulance driven by Ric Flair takes you out of the building, it's a little tough to come back and say, I'd like a rematch. So I would imagine we're looking at what's next for Drew McIntyre. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if Keith Lee still turned. I just would have liked to have seen it last night. Oh, yeah, and done, you know, matches between Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee with no title, and then eventually Randy and Keith Lee, heel versus heel. Maybe Randy starts to turn. Who knows? I mean, we could go in a million different directions, but we still might. We still might go in a lot of those directions. Um, however, all in all, I'm not sure how great the match was for Drew. But the match was great for us. I was very entertained by the match. Um, uh, I think like the Roman match. It was like, I thought that I was going to enjoy it. This is one of the matches that I was, the matches that I was really looking forward to seeing exceeded my expectations, which is really great because when you have high expectations and they get exceeded, it's like, okay, we're onto something here. This is good stuff. Um, what else happened at Clash of Champions? Uh, I thought the, you know, I, I almost wish that they hadn't wasted Asuka's time and that whole tease, like you, like the tease of like, whoa, Asuka's out here. Something cool could happen. And then it just ends with like a chair shot disqualification. Like ultimately what I said about the Nikki Cross Bailey match was not that dissimilar from the Roman Reigns match, which is 
that this is a good match to have as you continue to tell the Sasha Banks Bailey story and that Bailey should not lose the title. Um, and so that happened here, except with Asuka. I just think that you could have done it with a different performer, you know? I, I, I think if you had, if, if you had, who could you have brought in? Let me, let me give you a for instance before I just say it could have been somebody else. Um, you know, I don't think I wouldn't have brought in anybody from NXT. Like, and if you were, it would have had to be Io Shirai, but you don't want, again, Io Shirai shows up and I don't know, to waste it with like a chair DQ is kind of unnecessary. I mean, maybe you try something with Peyton Royce, but then it's like, does Bailey really need to chair DQ her way out of that match? Couldn't she just win it? Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I was just a little underwhelmed by the chair DQ, but I was very happy with the Sasha Banks run in. Um, and it increased my interest in what's going on with Sasha Banks and Bailey. You know, again, like I said at the top, it's why I'm going to be watching SmackDown on Friday. I want to see what happens next with those two. Uh, I would imagine we're headed towards a Hell in a Cell match, but again, you look and we have a draft announced. Draft is going down October 9th. And then I think follow it up on October 12th. Yeah. Starts SmackDown October 9th, ends on Raw October 12th. So, you know, we could sit here and talk about Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. We could sit here and talk about Bailey and Sasha Banks. We could sit here and talk about a lot of people. But realistically speaking, in two weeks, these superstars might not even be on the same roster. In two weeks, Drew McIntyre might be the top guy on SmackDown and Roman might be the top guy on Raw. Based on the way SmackDown and Raw have been, I hope that does not happen because it's like Roman has just been so good. Like, don't mess with it. Plus everything going on with The Fiend. It's like, I want Alexa Bliss, The Fiend, Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, Bailey. All of them I want to stay on SmackDown. All of them. I don't care who comes over to SmackDown from Raw. As long as those five stay on SmackDown, we'll be good. But that's, that's a lot of people to stay on SmackDown, though. But that's who I want to stay on SmackDown. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I it's a second wonky finish on a show in a very short amount of time, um, I really hope that Angel Garza is okay. I think Angel Garza. I, I'm I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of Andrade too, but I'm a real big fan of Angel Garza. I I have been since NXT, um, but I think the sky's the limit for Angel Garza. I hope that if he is injured, it's not serious. I hope that if he misses any time, it's not a lot of time. Hopefully, he'll be back in a ring tonight on Raw. You know, at the time of this recording. Nothing's confirmed. It didn't look good, and clearly they had to end the match in a really weird way. But you know, I, I also, you know, I, I think that it's terrible when an injury happens, and you do have to stop the match. And I really hope Angel Garza is okay. At the same time, I think you got to make sure your communication is on point. Because you know, I'm watching Mickey James two weeks ago on Raw. No clue why this match is over. You could see it all over her face. I don't have a clue why the match is over. I'm watching Andrade barely even make it to a two count on a pin, and the referee is, like, calling it. One, two, three, match is over. It's like, you know, if we're going to, if the referees are going to be treated like a shoot, let's treat them like a shoot, you know? I think you just, you got to figure out ways to avoid that stuff. But really hope that Gars is okay. Um, based on the commentary, and I always listen for the details. Tom Phillips, Samoa Joe, Byron Saxton, they were talking about how much better Andrade and Angel Garza looked in this match than we've seen before. And I don't think that was just them putting over uh, the team because Garza had taken an injury and they wanted to, you know, do the right thing. I think Angel Garza and Andrade were supposed to win the tag team championship at Clash of Champions. I think the story that was, I, I think the idea is that they took Zelina Vega away from that team, but they want the team to look even stronger. They don't want it because they, they, I think they want Zelina Vega to be a female star on her own, but they don't want it to hurt Angel and Andrade. So I think that they were going to put the tag team titles on them. And then, you know, things happen. But that's just my, my theory. 
And uh, uh, finally, the third match that I was really looking forward to, it was the two championship, you know, the WWE championship and the Universal Championship match. <laughs> Clash of Champions. The two championship matches, they're all championship matches, Roberts. Um, triple threat ladder match was genius. Uh, it was a great match even without uh, all the shenanigans. And then when you add the shenanigans in, it was just like, it was really well thought out. It was creative. It was fun. It was brutal. It was, it was a great ladder match. Watching Jeff Hardy do redo that WrestleMania swanton onto Sami Zayn was unbelievable. AJ Styles had some unbelievable moments. And Sami Zayn did what I wanted to happen, remind the world that over the last 15 years, he's had some of the best ladder matches in the industry. Go back and watch some of the stuff that Generico and Kevin Steen were doing in Ring of Honor. If you want to see some insane ladder matches. I was at the Hammerstein Ballroom for one of them. It's the, one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. Sami Zayn is not somebody to sleep on. And then when you go a step further, and, and he's got the handcuffs, and I mean, you know, I was like, okay, I love that, because I saw him when, when, when first of all, the... I love whenever they use Jeff Hardy's earlobe. You know, Randy Orton has used Jeff Hardy's earlobe. I'm like, you know, if you've got those earlobes, use them, right? It's like when the Iconics put cupcakes all over my beard and hair. It's like, if I come in with this goofy hair, use it. Put some cupcakes in it. I understand that. I don't love it. I understand it. If you show up with those giant stretched out earlobes, let's do some wacky stuff with them. Why not? Use it as an asset. So handcuffing his ear to the ladder was just the, the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And then Jeff Hardy walking around with a ladder on his head like it's a Brock Lesnar boombox briefcase. Just great. Great, great, great stuff. To first handcuff himself, to, like, to, that's what I mean about being creative. To handcuff himself to AJ Styles is enough, you know, to maybe jump on AJ's back because you guys are stuck together. And then grab the titles before he can. That's it's almost it's enough to then take a step further and like position yourself on a ladder where now Jeff Hardy, you got the key in your pocket because of course you have the key. They're your handcuffs. Why didn't any of us think of that? And then to undo yourself while AJ is stuck on the on the ladder thing, so you can go up and get the title. I mean, the perfect way for Sami Zayn to win that match. I think Sami Zayn being the Intercontinental Champion with Jeff Hardy chasing him, with AJ Styles chasing him. I think we are in for a great fall season for that Intercontinental Championship. I think when you look down that SmackDown, well, who knows? Who knows? We're in for a great two weeks of the Intercontinental Championship. You know, Sami Zayn might do well on Raw. I would say, although I don't want to lose the Hurt Business off Raw because they're the best thing on Raw. But Sami Zayn could be very, very entertaining on Raw. Um, yeah. And I think Braun Strowman would be a good move to Raw at this point. Um, but yeah, I thought the ladder match was amazing. I was so impressed with it and, and had so much fun watching it. Those guys just, just killed themselves and then got creative. Creativity is so important in wrestling. Like, just not going in and, like, you know... You know, all these guys who are in WWE, for the most part, have been doing it for a long time, are experts at what they do. When you do something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert at it. And a lot of these guys have done 10,000 hours or more inside of a wrestling ring. That can mean, can, well, that means that theoretically you can do this in your sleep. You can go through the motions. And in wrestling, I think that that's more true than any other form of entertainment because wrestling is really one of the few where you're performing in front of a live crowd of millions of people and you will be told 30 seconds before you go out on live television what's expected of you and you're just expected to be able to go like, okay, you got it and you go and you do it, which means that a lot of times you get conditioned to not put thought into what you're doing in advance to just figure it out when you get out there. And that can lead to not being as creative. That can lead to not using your brain as much as you should. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like doing a podcast, you know? 
at this point, it's like doing the radio show I do for Sirius XM. If I wanted to, I could absolutely just wake up in the morning, turn on the mic, and just start rambling until I found something interesting to talk about. You know, I could do all the shows that I do without prepping it all for them, without thinking at all about them, just think about them while I'm doing them and then move on to the next thing. But I don't. But I don't. I think about the shows in advance. I think about, like, what am I doing? As I'm watching the Clash of Champions, I'm like, okay, what's the hook? Like, like, what is the thing that really had me thinking as I'm watching this pay-per-view? And as I'm watching the pay-per-view, I'm thinking, well, let's say there's nothing to talk about on this pay-per-view. Let's say it's super boring. Then, what am I going to talk about on the podcast? And it's like, then you start using your brain. You start getting creative. I love when I see people go the extra mile with creativity. And that's what I saw in the ladder match with a lot of the spots, but the finish specifically is people being creative and having fun and doing something that I felt that those people loved. I could watch Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn do their thing seven nights a week. And it's the dream match that I was talking about. That The match that I saw at Clash of Champions is the match that if you would have told me 10 years ago was going to happen, I never would have believed you. AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy. What? And it happened. And it was great. And it lived up to expectations. So uh, that was kind of Clash of Champions in a nutshell. Of course, there, you know that's not absolutely everything that happened, but that's the stuff that really uh, stuck out to me the most. Um, and of course the draft thing. So as a, you know, I, I, I was kind of talking about the draft as we talked about clash of champions, but, uh, I, we'll do a more in-depth analysis of the draft. Uh, let's see, will it be next week? The 20? Yeah. 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 So, um, next Monday, maybe we'll do some kind of fantasy draft because that'll be the last podcast before the draft um so that should be interesting and the timing's nice because the draft is happening october 9th october 12th and we don't have hell in a cell you got a good solid two weeks to build some matches with the way the new rosters look before you go into hell in a cell so i mean that's a lot better than having like the draft, and then I think I think last year there was like a pay per view the week after the draft or something like that, or the week before. It was weird. It was a weird one. Um, so I think this is better timing for it. And then of course, takeover is next. Is this coming Sunday? Um, I'll be on the kickoff show for that. As of now, unless things change, I'll be on the kickoff show for that on the WWE Network. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's a very atypical takeover. You're looking at Johnny Gargano versus uh, uh, uh. Damian Priest, almost called him Punishment Martinez, God forbid, Damian Priest, where you're sitting there, you know, you're talking, that's a generational match. You know, you're talking about the old guard versus the new guard. You've got uh, Velveteen Dream versus Kushida, and this is one the Kush this is one that technically they both need. Velveteen has not been in the conversation uh, of main eventing or NXT championship talk since losing to Adam Cole a couple takeovers ago. If Velveteen Dream wants to be anywhere near there, he's got to beat Kushida, but Kushida's back and he's on this roll. If I were a betting man right now, i put my money on Kushida. Um, you've got the United States Championship match. Uh, oh, I just said that United uh, North American Championship. The NXT Women's Championship, which was unexpected. I really thought they were going to... I thought if they weren't going to give it to Rhea Ripley, they're going to give it to Shotzi. Interesting that they're holding off on Rhea, by the way. Um, I'm I'm anxious to see Shotzi hold that title. Um, I would like to see Shotzi win the NXT Women's Championship and defend it against Rhea Ripley because I feel like if Shotzi Blackheart were the NXT champion, I, Shotzi Blackheart, I think, is just gaining a fan base every single week. It's just growing and growing and growing, and, she's, and her skill set is growing, and her... Star presence is growing. I just, I, Shotzi Blackheart is the next one. Shotzi is it. Shotzi is the one that everybody should be looking at. I'm a big Dakota Kai fan as well. I think Dakota Kai has a tremendous, tremendous future. And I think that one day 
Dakota Kai is I, Dakota Kai had a breakthrough year last year, and she's still maintaining. I think that she is going to have another breakthrough year, uh, where she ascends to the top. But I think right now, and I didn't necessarily expect it, this is Shotzi's time. Shotzi Blackheart is about to take the throne. Um, and I think that that NXT should follow suit. I think that Candice LeRae should lose at TakeOver. Although I like that Candice LeRae is getting the opportunity because, you know, she's not in those TakeOver championship matches all that often. And it should be Shotzi that takes the NXT Women's Championship off of Io Shirai. My personal preference. And then, of course, Kyle O'Reilly getting the big NXT Championship match. Um... It's just going to be a phenomenal match. And Kyle O'Reilly's opportunity to show the world that uh, that uh, Undisputed Era is not just Adam Cole and his gang of merry men. That Kyle O'Reilly has the opportunity. I mean, you did have those vignettes of an NXT champion returning to NXT. Um, and, you know, a lot of people up in the air, I, I've heard people, we were talking about it uh, with, the, with the Not Sam Shills on the Zoom party that we did before Clash of Champions, but uh, Bo Dallas's name is getting bandied about quite a bit with that mystery man. Possible, but, you know, I think it's cool when, like, you know, Tyler Breeze or even if Bo Dallas or any of those guys come back to NXT, but I think it's a much bigger deal when a Finn Balor comes back to NXT. Uh, you know, guys that never quite got to that spot on the main roster, it's cool when they're back, but it's, you know, high-caliber dudes that decide, and women, that decide to come back to NXT. I think that's the bigger deal. Um, and I think that, uh, for me, my fantasy pick for the mystery NXT man, unless it's a woman, that could be interesting, too, unless it's, like, Charlotte or something. But my, if it's a dude, Kevin Owens is my pick because I'd like Kevin Owens to come back and lead up the Undisputed Era. I'd like Kevin Owens to come back and kick Adam Cole out of Undisputed Era. I think that would be an amazing, amazing money rivalry. I'd be excited about it anyway. Um, and then as we look forward to Raw, of course, since the podcast comes out Monday morning, we did not get a chance to talk about my three favorite wrestlers. Mace, T-Bar, and Slapjack. I'm a Slapjack guy. I've always been a Slapjack guy. Slapjack's one of my favorite wrestlers. Look, I'll tell you this. Retribution knows how to work their Twitters. I think T-Bar has been an MVP on Twitter. T-Bar and Mace, Mace has been doing it. Mace has been doing it as well. They're really trying to make this Retribution thing make sense. They're making their most out of what they've got in front of them. But I think you've got real story going on with Retribution that for some reason you've decided to go comic book on. You know, I think that, that you know, I, I think... I think what, what has to happen for Retribution is either Apollo Crews or even better, maybe Ricochet has to join as their leader. And uh, Retribution has to have a reason for being. It can't just be, we're here to destroy you. Gotham, we're here. Gotham, we're here to give back the city. To you. <laughs> you can't just be Bane from a movie from eight years ago. You look, there has to be a reason for being. And, you know, the, when it was like, well, we were in the performance center and we weren't getting used. It's like, okay, but you were because I seen Mercedes Martinez have a cage match with Rhea Ripley one week before Retribution. So you were getting you and NXT's on te primetime television. So I, I, you know, I saw Mia Yim on a takeover getting a championship title shot. So, you know, I, I I don't know if I buy that. But if you start telling me the story of, of Dio Madden and start telling me the story of a guy who got uh, thrown off raw commentary because he wouldn't fall in line. Thrown off raw commentary because he wouldn't say what they were telling him to say in his ears. And then sent to the performance center and they did nothing with him. And then uh, Dominic Dijakovic, where he was used because they knew that Keith Lee would have good matches with him. And then once they got Keith Lee to a position where he could he could compete for the championship, 
They just cast him away. They cast him aside and never used him again. Have him tell that story. Slapjack, keep just as you are. You're beautiful, baby. But tell those stories. And then have some other people. Have some, you know, elder statesmen. Have MVP going, no, you know, better yet. Have Samoa Joe say, hey, man, you didn't get thrown off commentary because you didn't want to say things. You got thrown off commentary because you weren't good at commentary. You got thrown off commentary because you got a bad attitude. You know, have MVP going, T-Bar, Dijakovic, I know who you are. Here's why you didn't get used after your matches with Keith Lee. Because you lost to Keith Lee and then you had a bad attitude. You thought you knew everything. You don't want to learn anything from anybody. You know, tell that story. Tell the opposing sides. Talk about the duality. Let people pick a side. You know, you don't have to just bury one side for the other. But I think you tell the story. And then you start incorporating members into Retribution that are uh, main roster talent, that are Raw and SmackDown talent that haven't been used. The, the ricochets of the world. The Apollo Cruises of the world. That's where you could throw in a Bo Dallas. But you have them join and actually start to lead Retribution and be like, whoa, we got to start using these people because otherwise... You know, they've got this 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 other side where they're going to be like, okay, if you're not going to use us, we're going to destroy you from the inside. So I think that, I mean, there's hope. There's hope with retribution, but but there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. So we'll see what happens. You know, uh, I know that new names were discovered for... Uh, me, Yim, and Mercedes Martinez. I shouldn't call them that anymore. Let me see if I can look it up real quick because I already forgot. Uh, it, it wasn't announced on TV, so I don't really feel that bad about not knowing it off the top of my head. It's just Mercedes Martinez and uh, uh, and Mia Yim changed their names. Interesting, by the way, that they still, this is, they, they do not show up on pay-per-views. By the way, T-Bar... Uh, he had some quote, like Eric, there was a quote from Eric Bischoff that said Retribution storyline sucks. And T-Bar from Retribution tweeted out, uh, oh, that's so, I'm so sorry to hear that. We look up to you. Um, you know, you've done everything that we want to do as a man who destroyed a billion dollar wrestling company with your own hands or something to that effect. But it was just, it was, it was a great, it was a great comeback. I loved it. I loved it. He's been really good. T-Bar's been, without irony, T-Bar has been really good on, uh, on, on Twitter and just responding to people, and uh, he's been awesome. So I guess uh, uh, retaliation and reckoning are Mia Yim and Mercedes Martinez. Retaliation and reckoning. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, T-Bar is motivated, though. T-Bar is motivated to make it work. Mace is doing very, very well on Twitter, too. Mace is motivated to make it work, too. I love seeing people motivated to make it work. I, I do respect that. I always do respect when people are given stuff that maybe on paper doesn't look like the greatest thing in the world or others are being critical of it, and instead you look at it for the opportunity that it is, and you just try your damnedest to make the most of it and let the cards fall, may they lay. I think that that's the where... Let the cards fall where they may lay. I don't think I had to add in the word may in that sentence, but it still does technically make sense. Um, I respect it, though, is what I'm saying. I respect the fact that they're, uh, they're, just, they're making it happen. So we'll see what happens tonight on Raw with Retribution and with everybody else. I appreciate all you guys. I thank you. Don't forget, if you want more podcasts, if you need more Sam Roberts in your life, if you need more Not Sam Wrestling Every Thursday, we do Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. This coming Thursday, I'm sure it will be an NXT TakeOver 31 uh, breakdown and pre-show. Uh, and that uh, is uh, available to everybody at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. All the Not Sam shells get access to the Thursday podcast. All the Not Sam shells get access to the Discord room. All the Not Sam shells get this podcast every week early and ad-free. Uh, and, and that's for less than a dollar a week. So not a lot of money. Uh, as you start going up in, in tiers, you get access to video first. 
You can watch the podcast get recorded live from the Not Sam studio. You can interact. We do Zoom chats uh, basically every week at this point. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of content, and you can be a part of it all by being a Not Sam shill. Uh, thank you to all of you who are, and even thank you to all of you that just go, I download on a Monday, and that's enough. Go ahead, and if you uh, want to leave a uh, rating and a review over on uh, Apple Podcasts, I've heard other people ask their listeners to do that. So I'm assuming it's a very good thing to do. So please do that for me, too, if you do it for other people. Uh, hit subscribe button. Subscribe and follow us and do all that on Apple and Spotify, both. Why not? It's free. And we'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.